You're listening to the Pretty Ambitious Podcast with Melissa Murciano, a podcast with successful women sharing their journeys and redefining success along the way. We all have value to bring, from the goal-driven career woman to the impactful stay-at-home mom. Their stories will empower you and give you the push that you need to succeed in the areas that are important to you. So listen along and be inspired as we celebrate and learn from each other. Sure, it's pretty ambitious, but let's do this together. Hey, Tara, thanks for coming on. Hi, Melissa. Please let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what do you do? Thanks for having me today. Um, This is my first podcast ever, so very exciting. So my name is Tara. That's how it's pronounced, which I don't think a lot of people may know. Um, I am from Southern California, but I now live in San Francisco. And I, I mean, love to cook, love to make jewelry, just kind of love being creative. And so that's kind of how this all got started. And it's a very hard question, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much all there is about me. And then, you know, I, with the pandemic and everything, I really try to find what my hobbies were and what my passions were and doing the jewelry kind of really evolved into being a full-time career for me. So mm-hmm. it's been kind of a wild ride, I guess. Yeah. When I first heard about your business was through another social media influencer and she was posting on her stories that there was this girl who was raising money to fund herself through nursing school. So once I heard about that, I just started following your page. And from the beginning, it's so crazy because you've been in business for like a little over a year. Yes. So it just seems like your growth has just been so incredible this last year. Um, You went from selling beads to earrings to rings to necklaces, and it just feels like it's taken off overnight. Do you think that's how it was for you? Yeah, it's definitely how I feel. It it started off pretty slow, and then I think it just quickly shot up, obviously, with the help of Sivan and her family, and they've been so amazing for the business, and I'm forever grateful for them. And from there, I even thought after I had first you know, had my little, I guess, introduction on her page, Mm -hmm. I kind of thought things would level off after that. And I guess what surprised me was that the momentum kept going. And I guess I was able to continue growing. And I mean, I think it's, it's not something that I ever expected. I don't think anyone really expects it going into it. So it's been a really Mm -hmm. nice surprise. And it's been a really cool journey I've gotten to experience over the past year and few months now. Yeah, that's so true. There's, you'll see some influencers speak about certain brands and it's just, it doesn't happen like that for everybody. So it's pretty amazing. So have you always wanted to start a jewelry business? Is this something that you always wanted to do? I don't think I've ever thought about starting a jewelry business as my career path. Mm -hmm. So in middle school and high school, when feather earrings and feather hair extensions were a trend, I definitely dabbled in that. And I made some earrings for friends. And at one point I even tried to sell them on Etsy and that didn't really take off, but I always had a fascination with creating jewelry as art. And I don't really consider myself a very artistic person in the sense of painting and drawing. Mm -hmm. So I've always been very crafty with jewelry and kind of started teaching myself how to create pieces with the tools. And so I think I had a good foundation so that when I came to start my own jewelry business many years later, I kind of knew what tools to get, how to get started. 
I think really what was missing was any of that marketing and business side of it, which I think I have just organically learned and I'm still learning along the way. Mm -hmm. So what gave you the idea to start the beads? So to be fully honest, I just was broke and wasn't Mm -hmm. making any money. I've always kind of I mean, I've always worked a part-time job, whether it was in high school or college. And this happened right a few years after I graduated from college. I was on the pre-health, pre-nursing path, and I was working as a medical assistant at a dermatology office, which was also my passion. Yeah. So it was a very fulfilling job in the sense of it was what I was thinking I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. but the job itself was really toxic and I wasn't able to get a lot of hours. And for many reasons, I just really didn't have any funds to be able to do anything for fun, let alone save any money for school. So I was living at home. And so it kind of came from a sense of pressure Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's like the quote pressure builds diamonds. I really feel like that's kind of what it was for me was I really needed to sell something to make money. And, you know, I was babysitting at the time, but at the end of the day, there's no, like, there's no income quite like being able to sell a product. So I just started selling these bracelets on a Facebook page, uh, Suvon's Facebook page at the time. And it was, you know, pretty small then. And from there, I just made an Instagram and it kind of took off from there. So how did you know where to get started? So you have this idea to start selling jewelry. Then where do you go? Did you just Google how to start a jewelry company? I really had no, so I'd actually, the bracelets that I had initially sold, I had had 10 of them and I had ordered supplies like beads off of Etsy and I had made them for myself months prior because I knew I couldn't afford the ones I was seeing online. So I made them for myself and when it came time to sell them and I thought of things to sell, I had had those beaded bracelets that I had made extras of. So essentially I started Etsy and then of course Etsy is not the most practical source of you know, being a vendor, because obviously it's a little bit more upcharged. It's not as big of a wholesaler as other, you know, vendors are. So I started there. And at first, that's what I did for a few months. And then from there, I kind of did my research, did a lot of cold calling, did a lot of in-person visits to downtown LA and other areas to really see what was out there in terms of manufacturers and vendors. So it's definitely not, it wasn't an overnight process, but I always recommend to anyone Hey, if you want to get started doing something, just Google it Mm because, you know, that's just where you have to start with. There's just so many free resources that can be found on the internet that you, you just have to really do your homework and be specific when you're searching for that information. There are so many other online jewelry companies. So how does Beads by Tara stand out from the rest? I think for me, it's a combination of a few things. I think big, a big thing for me is customer service. Um, I've always been super aware of how to treat customers and how to be treated because I've worked in retail. I've worked, or sorry, not retail. I worked in uh, the restaurant industry. I've worked, you know, in a medical office. And so I think it's always been important to me to know how to interact and have those, you know, personal skills to be able to interact with other people. So I think the attention to detail in terms of my customer service is really important to me. Um, it's really hard because there are customers who don't know who you are on the other line and definitely say some mean things. But I think this experience has really taught me to kind of get a thicker skin and learn how to really just approach every situation with empathy and understand that maybe someone doesn't know that I didn't mean to send the wrong item or this mistake was made. So that's like a big thing I would say is 
one facet of why my business I think does well. And then I think another thing, and this is something that I really try to stay true to is the attention to quality and detail. Because for me, it's very important. I was always purchasing so much jewelry that was turning green and my skin was reacting because I have just very sensitive skin. So I was really, really dead set on getting or selling jewelry that was good quality that people could wear. And, you know, essentially they wouldn't have to just keep throwing out because that's not sustainable in any way. Yeah, that's the worst. A big part of your initial growth was attributed, like you said, to influencer Sivan Isla. Was that part of your marketing plan to reach out to other influencers? Um, not initially, because initially I just made my Instagram account and basically just my close family and friends were following it and you know a few people here and there. And I have always just loved following influencers. Mm-hmm. I since you know the start of the influencer world, I guess I've always just followed YouTubers and influencers and I really do value their opinion. And mm-hmm. so me being a consumer and someone who values their opinion, found, you know, this correlation with, hey, if I'm someone that really values so-and-so's opinion, maybe their followers will value their opinion if they're talking about my product. So it kind of came from a place of, hey, this is what I already do and how I shop. So let's see if this will work for me in my business. Yeah, that's really smart. You looked at what, how you bought stuff and how you shopped and applied it to your business. So that's great. Do you have any other tips when it comes to marketing using the power of social media? Yeah, I think definitely with social media, it's hard because there's so many different facets of marketing. There's paid advertisements, Facebook, Instagram, Mm -hmm. Twitter, you know, Pinterest, and I'm, I'm slowly dabbling into those things. But to this day, I've not spent a single penny on actual paid advertising. Wow. Um, I think I've done two or three advertisements that, you know, I got credit for, for just making my account, yeah. but I've never actually spent the money on it myself. And I definitely think that's not something I'm opposed to doing, right. but I do think there's so much organic free free uh, resources out there. And honestly, it just takes reaching out to influencers that you truly I guess, reside, um, truly resonate with Mm -hmm. and people that you just view as people you look up to. And so I did that. I would follow and message a lot of influencers that I love their style. And some of them weren't big influencers like Sivan. Some of them just had one to 2000, but I just still love their content. Yeah. And so we kind of built a really good relationship where I trusted them. And I think that is essentially what has allowed me to grow is that I find the people that I truly you know, resonate with in terms of their style, their tips, their everything. Yeah. And I wanted to work with them instead of just finding the most popular person on Instagram. Yeah. And so you didn't have a a relationship with Sivan before this, correct? No. So I didn't have any kind of like actual relationship with her. I was just following her and my friends and I had always loved her. Mm -hmm. And I had always just DM'd her because I'd asked her questions about something. Mm -hmm. And she basically because of that, I was in her DMs and I was like, you know, having occasional mini conversations with her. And so through that, I had asked her, Hey, I'm saving up money for nursing school. I'd love to send you the bead bracelets because I know that you always mention them and you don't know where they're from. So maybe like you can refer your followers to my site. And from that, she had offered it to me and she was like, yeah, of course. She was so sweet. So I sent them her way and I kind of forgot about it. Honestly, it was about a month or so until she had first posted. 
and I remember I was at Disneyland with my friend mm-hmm. and she had posted and it was just like the ins- most insane thing to not only have someone that you look up to post about your product and your brand, but also see the influx of people that engage with her right. now come onto my Instagram and follow me. Yeah. And what I find amazing is that you currently have over 26,000 followers and counting. <laughs> But when you started out, you had a pretty small following. So the fact that you reached out to her and didn't think, well, maybe I should wait till I have a thousand followers to reach out um, was really great because you took a shot and it really benefited you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I had, I think I literally had 300 followers at the time and wow. it, was it was literally just friends and family. So the fact that, you know, she took a shot on me as well. Yeah. And, um, sorry, took a chance with me as well. And you know, didn't really care that I was established or not. Really. Right. And she and she's continued to be not even not even for me, but just for other small brands, a really mm-hmm. big um, r- played a really big role in their companies in terms of all her gift guides and holiday gift guides and yeah, that's true. Random shout outs. She's done a lot of giving back in that sense, and I truly attribute so much of my success and initial growth to her and kind of creating that foundation. So. I don't think everyone needs to go to Savon necessarily. They just need to, <laughs> right. you know, the influencer that that they really resonate with and just be super honest with them and see where it takes you. And there's been so many people that I've even reached out to that don't ever reply. And that's just kind of the nature of the game is, you know, you shoot all your shots and mm-hmm. hopefully you get a few responses back. Yeah. So from what I see, you're a one-woman show, correct? I have been up until recently, actually. Um, last week, oh. I hired my first employee. I don't really, I haven't really mentioned it yet on social media, but it's been kind of something that I've been going back and forth about. But yeah, I kind of got to a point where I just needed to hire someone to do, to help me with so much of the, you know, the little things that over time add up. Yeah. Um, I remember on, I think it was Black Friday, um, I think in the first 10 minutes, you had sold like 250 items. Am I right? Yeah, the orders was like over 200. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, she's by herself doing all of those orders. That must, it's probably so exciting, but also really overwhelming. <laughs> it was so crazy because I would had one Black Friday prior to that. So I kind of got a taste of uh-huh. how Black Friday can be. And so mm-hmm. I definitely expected okay I'm definitely I've grown a lot since then so I'll have let's just say like even like maybe double the amount of orders and kind of prepared for that but it was just crazy I was so fortunate and I was so I guess lucky that people decided to come to my store and support me but it was very overwhelming because obviously no one likes to wait a long time for their orders and (laughs) so I was like literally my you know I was Thanksgiving here home alone just packing orders and yeah, you know, with given the everything going on, it obviously is the most appropriate thing to do just to stay home. But it it was crazy. It was I was so like grateful, but at the same time, there was so much going on that I just don't think in that moment I was able to like realize just how big of a impact just that weekend right. made on the business. Yeah, I saw that you were. I don't know if you posted about it, but you were saying that you were up at like three in the morning or two in the morning working, and I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That, I mean, I'm a night owl, so I will say like that does happen pretty often, not even just on Black Friday, but the, the week or two leading up to Black Friday was insane because I was making sure I had 
all my inventory restocked, making things because at this time I was still just me doing everything. So yeah. I was making everything, just, you know, taking photos of things, making sure everything was organized. I just wanted to like make sure everything was in its place so that once the chaos of Black Friday came, I would be in some ways like ready for it. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that some of these small businesses are run by one or two people. They see a beautiful business page and think, okay, it's this big business with all these employees. Um, so how do you handle demanding customers when sometimes situations come up that is just out of your control? That's definitely like the golden question is like, how do you figure that out and how do you manage that and I think for me like I mentioned earlier I think I try to approach every situation with empathy and understand that, hey maybe this person really has to get this for a birthday gift for someone or for anniversary gift or something yeah. so I try to understand that people are also consumers and we're all honestly kind of we're, we're kind of all very spoiled because of Amazon Prime so having having that two-day shipping and then having anything that takes longer than a week is just like unheard of these days yes <laughs> um, and so I really try to explain to people I, I respond to every email still my day uh, today myself and I really try to take the time to explain thoroughly what the situation is yes. and address what their concerns are specifically because I want them to understand that hey if their package is a little late Maybe it's because I have something coming in or shipping materials coming in or supplies or something happened. And so it gets hard because now I wake up every day to 30, 40 emails instead of just like one or two. And it's not always issues. Sometimes it's just questions. Yeah. And so learning to prioritize that and then answer the people, it is difficult. And that's one of the more challenging parts that I am not quite ready to give up to someone else yet mm -hmm. because with that comes a lot of that personality and personableness, I guess that's not right. a word, but like <laughs> the, 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 I guess the charm of Beats by Tara comes from those emails that are very personal. So I think I can see myself, you know, doing the customer service for a very long time because it really is important to me that people hear my voice. Yeah. And oftentimes it's so interesting. They'll like, they'll send their initial email and it'll be a little bit passive aggressive or <laughs> it'll be a little, be a little bit, you know, on the rougher, on the rougher side. And then I'll respond and I'll explain to them what the situation is or whatever answered their question. And then it's interesting because I feel like they respond back with a lot more, just like a lot less, you know, aggression or not even aggression, that's not yeah. the right word. You diffuse the situation. Yeah, they really are more calm and they're more understanding. And so I've just learned, I mean, that's really helped me in my personal life as well. Like learning these lessons of how to approach conflict. And yeah. I think I've learned a lot. I've like been able to learn a lot from the business and I've been able to apply that in my real life. So that's a skill that I'm so grateful for as well that I've applied to my daily life. What I love about how you run your business is that you really do put the customer first. You have a strong social media presence. You educate your customers on um, what the, ex the expectation is. Um, like for example, for Christmas, you would say, okay, if you want your order by this day, order it here. And you're, you know, you work closely with the postal service. And so I think that just having that constant communication really is really important because it puts the customer at ease. Try to be as transparent with everything as possible. Yeah. Um, because I think that 
a lot of you know companies have these issues as well, bigger ones, but they have a bigger support team. So I think me just allowing people to know what's going on in real time makes them have more trust in my brand. Yeah. It can be kind of um, scary sometimes because for these small businesses, if someone just writes a bad review, it can really damage your business. Do you ever have that fear? I do. And it's hard because you really can't, sometimes you can't be there to defend yourself. You know, if someone goes to their friend and says, Hey, I hate this brand for whatever reason, I'm not there to say, Hey, this is what actually happened. Cause always there's two sides to every story. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of something that you just have to, I have had to accept and understand that I can't make everyone happy. And that's also another lesson that I've taken away from this business into my real life and apply that is there's always going to be someone that's upset with what you do it's not happy with what you do is going to try to tear you down and as long as I know that I'm doing the best I can to provide good service and a good product the rest you know isn't really up to me so if that customer is going to continue to have problems with me or feels a certain way I'm so much more happy for them to go from another brand and shop because I wouldn't want anyone to support my brand if they truly don't feel like they resonate with my brand and my message and everything like that. Yeah, I love that. So as a photographer, I can really um, appreciate all of the images that you post of your jewelry. Um, But there has been such a growth as well of just like your your photos that you post. Were you post were you the photographer and are you still the photographer? I know you're a photographer. That's so cool. Um, It's. I mean, I can't even express how impressed I am with photographers and that job is so hard. And I, up until a few months ago, was taking every single photo myself. And then I invested in a nicer camera and I started taking them myself as well. But I do have a photographer that I basically outsource to take my photo, a lot of my photos from my website. And I think that's helped me take a load off my shoulders that was just an added weight yeah. That kind of stunt, stunted my growth in some ways because I wasn't able to focus on the product, but, you know, worried about, is this photo going to look good? Is this the lighting good? Mm-hmm. So that's a part of my business that I've learned, I've had to learn to let go of in order to allow myself to grow. And I work with two photographers actually, and they're both so talented and so amazing. And so while that's obviously an added expense and a level of, control that you can't have over your brand Mm -hmm. it has allowed me so much growth and so much peace of mind so the photos are all kudos to them Um, so everything (laughs) that they do is amazing but I do occasionally take photos for certain launches for example if I had a launch that needed to be photographed that day of and I didn't have time to send them I will take those photos so I would say it's about like 70% the photographers and then 30% my own content and Mm -hmm. I love the way that the Instagram and website has been able to evolve. So I appreciate your comment, um, yeah. but that's not all me. <laughs> I love your TikTok that you did of showing like the evolution of your photography. Thank you. Yeah, it was amazing. So everyone should check that out. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, TikTok is it's so funny. TikTok is now like the thing to do, but yeah, it's, it's fun for me to see where I started as well. And even just seeing the growth yeah. in the number of products I had, because I think I mainly started off being a, a bracelet company and having a lot of bracelets. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I'm just a jewelry person. So I wanted to have 
everything. I'm like covered in head to toe right now. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to utilize TikTok a little bit more, but not quite there yet. No, they're good. Um, okay. So where do you get your inspiration for each of your collections? Because before, like you said, you had bracelets, but now you have a bunch of collections. Mm-hmm. It is I could, like, there's not even a single word that I could say, like a single description of how I get inspired because sometimes like for the holidays, for example, that collection had a lot of rhinestone, like stones and CZ mm-hmm. and a lot of like sparkly elements. And that to me was just very like in line with what I would think the holidays would be. So that was super easy to pull together. And I just saw things that I would wear myself. And I think that's where it starts is Mm -hmm. I would never create a piece that I wouldn't wear myself. So I'll get ideas from like, I'll just be on Pinterest and looking Mm -hmm. at stuff and like, oh, that's a cute idea. Like maybe if we like made it a little shorter, like different kind of chain, but love the similar idea. And then other times I'll have friends just be like, hey, like I would love a thicker hoop. And I look into it more and I'm like, oh my God, I need to get a thicker hoop earring in my store. So um, I think I'm really inspired by just everything around me, which I know is a very vague answer, but it kind of all comes together at the end of the day. Yeah, I remember, I think it was Lital that, um, I think she wanted a ring. Did you create a ring for her at one point? Yeah, it was a beaded ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even like things like that. I'm just like, I wouldn't have thought of it myself. Yeah, And then she had mentioned it to me and like, oh my God, that's like a fun idea. Let's do that. So I made her a custom piece. And I actually love when customers come to me and ask for custom pieces because it's just so interesting to see what someone else would think of that I would have never thought of myself. Yeah. My favorite post from you was when you did the quality testing post. Um, So you had put a picture of um, you testing some pieces out and I guess some of them although they were supposed to be gold filled weren't really gold filled the fact that you take the time to do those tests really shows your future clients that you really care about your product it's not you're not just out there trying to push you know sales you really do care about the relationship that you're going to have with your client because eventually you do want them to come back so can you explain what is the difference between gold filled and gold plated yeah that's i think a very big uh, difference in items. And I think that people still maybe aren't as super aware. And I think I wasn't really either until I obviously got into the industry. So to start off, gold plated is probably the most basic standard of jewelry. It's usually a brass or copper base, and it has a thin layer of gold plated over it. So essentially, if you Mm -hmm. were to scratch away the first layer or it were to rub off, then you would have the base metal exposed and okay. gold filled or gold plated jewelry basically has half a percent of gold by weight. So it's really not durable. And pretty often people will find the rings turning green on them because that first layer is being worn away. Um, whereas gold filled jewelry is 5% gold by weight. So it basically is a hundred times more gold and it usually has a, brass base and brass is an alloy so it's actually hypoallergenic it doesn't contain lead or anything or nickel which is very irritating to the skin and it's very very hard to actually get gold filled jewelry to tarnish because of how thick the layer of gold is and it's mechanically bonded instead of kind of plate like instead of painted over it's like mechanically bonded to the uh, base metal 
So it ends up being a much more affordable version of gold jewelry that's kind of in the middle between gold plated and um, solid gold. And in like Target, if you were to go to like any department store, almost any, you know, Forever 21 and go there, those would be typically gold plated pieces because it's much cheaper to manufacture and the molds that you're required to use are just really easy to make. So that's kind of a little in-depth explanation, but yeah. it's just important to remember that gold bill just has like a hundred times more gold. Okay. Yeah. I bought this link chain. I think it was at like TJ Maxx and it looks so pretty the first day, <laughs> or maybe I should, mm-hmm. I should give it a week. Um, but now it's just, it was gold and now it's silver. And no matter how many times I'm like taking the cloth and trying to clean it, it's, it's not looking good. Yeah, it's, and it's, it sucks. It sucks too, because when you like want to buy jewelry that is, you know, you want it to last and you get so excited about a piece and you're like, yeah. this is it. This is my like a staple piece. And then in a few weeks or months, it turns green. It's just the worst. It's the worst disappointment ever. Um, and I've just had so many of my pieces go to waste and be thrown out and things that I really loved. And obviously sometimes jewelry is just in trend and you don't want to have this forever in solid gold. So yeah, it just doesn't make sense to buy that piece in solid gold because who knows in 10 years, if that's going to be the style of jewelry you want to wear. So it's right. like there's a big flexibility with gold filled jewelry in that you're not horribly upset. If in a few years you don't have to wear it because it's maybe not what's your trend or your style anymore. Yeah. And it's waterproof, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, so this is the thing with gold filled jewelry is I even used to market it as water resist or it is water resistant um, and tarnish resistant. And Mm -hmm. if you properly take care of your jewelry, it really can last for as long as gold can last. But there are a lot of factors that do affect jewelry and things like chemicals in your hair products and skincare products. Um, For example, I was wearing a sterling silver ring from Tiffany actually like a few years back. And I had put on a face mask and the next morning I woke up and my finger was, the ring and my finger were just black, like not even green, just black. And I looked into this more and sulfur is a big culprit of tarnishing metals. And it's everything from sterling silver to gold fill to pretty sure it could even affect solid gold. But I was just able to revive it with a polishing cloth, which is like what I started selling now to help with customers who may experience that. But um, I had a customer actually have a sulfur mask and she had the same thing happen to her and the cloth really just helps bring the color back. But it, there's just so many things like even people's skin, skin affects the jewelry differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a really high sensitivity to to jewelry and that's because I, my pH is much higher in my body. So things Mm -hmm. turn green on me so much quicker than they do on other people. So it's kind of like, a win-win and a lose-lose because I get to like try the things out and really make sure they're durable. But then obviously like cheap things just don't last on me well at all. Yeah. So how long do you, how long do you um, test things out for? I typically, as if I can, I like to test things out for one to two months. And that's usually also the timeline of how long it takes me to set up a collection and plan it. So Typically my collections come together within one to two months. So I've been spending the past one to three months actually planning next month's collection, which is like a big birthday capsule I'll be having. And I've been at the same time wearing all the pieces to see if everything's lasting. And thankfully this time around, everything's been good and holding up. But uh, I try to do that so that 
I'd rather take the hit than have a customer have a really bad experience and assume that all my pieces are going to be of the same quality. Right. So what would you say is your favorite piece from your line? Ooh, it's hard. I'm looking at them right now. (laughs) Um, As far as earrings go, I love the Tara hoops. I think those have just been my favorite, like mini everyday hoop earrings. And then as far as Mm -hmm. the actual like necklaces and bracelets, I honestly think the link the link up necklace and bracelet has been my favorite. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's super fun and versatile and different. Um, but I'm much more of a simple layering chain type of person instead of like a ton of pendants. So when I do come mm-hmm. out with a pendant necklace, I want it to be something that's minimal and not really in your face because I yeah. want the stack to work together. So I don't want there to be a certain piece that necessarily stands out and is like an eyesore. So that's my personal like branding yeah. thing that I do. And it kind of allows you to be able to really stack everything together. Nice. I have your evil eye bracelet, which I love. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, that one's such a, everyone loves evil eye, which makes me so happy because I just love the evil eye. And I think um, it just has such a symbolic meaning to me personally. So it makes me so happy that everyone loves it. So I had been following you a while before I actually made a purchase Um, But I think it really was seeing those posts that you did um, showing the quality tests um, that made me Mm -hmm. trust you as a business owner and made me want to support you, made me want to buy something and own, you know, a Beads by Tara piece. Um, But it just goes to show you that you can have people who are following you um, and maybe they haven't bought anything yet, but you're still making a good impression on them. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. But yeah, I definitely, I mean, of course, like not every single person that follows you is going to make a purchase. And it's, I mean, I'm just even honored that people are following my page for whatever reason, but it definitely, it's hard because you won't ever know the quality until you own a piece, whether Mm -hmm. it's from my brand or from another brand. And I personally had had so much, you know, I had put so much faith into other brands that I love for so long and a piece or two of theirs would come and it would tarnish. And that's by no fault necessarily of the brand, but maybe of the manufacturer they use, guaranteeing them it being gold-filled or whatever and it not actually being that material. So I try, I hope that when people understand that like if a piece tarnishes or whatever, I almost always like replace it for them because that's definitely not what the quality of like my brand adheres to. So it makes me happy to know that people do put that trust in me and that really is what propels me to continue sticking with gold filled and I have a few pieces that aren't gold filled and those ones I'm like in the process of working towards making gold filled but mm-hmm. like the Nile for example the herringbone one I have oh it's yeah really hard it's really hard to make that one look as shiny and be affordable if it's in gold filled so I've been for months working on that but yeah otherwise there's so much money that I honestly could make from just selling whatever I come across exactly I do think that when you get you know sell your soul to the devil kind of give up (laughs) that like for me that's like what it would be is like if I just wanted to make as much money as possible and kind of stray away from that path that I like to stick on with quality then I think I would also lose a lot of customers down the line so for me, it's not really, it's an investment to stick to my brand and my mission because at the end of the day, I'd rather have repeat customers who really 
you know, have faith in me than to have 20 customers who make a purchase one time and never come back. Right. So do you think that's the reason behind your success? I think I would hope, I would hope so. I mean, I, I, I definitely have gotten feedback that people say that. So, um, it really does. It really drives me every single message that I get. I take a screenshot of, and I just save it into a folder on my phone just because every time I get concerned or I start comparing myself to other brands and what they're selling, I look back at those messages and just seeing the messages that people send to me. I've had, you know, patients say they've had chemotherapy and this, like their jewelry just makes them feel beautiful. And I've Mm -hmm. had people whose relatives are sick and have purchased a piece because it brought some joy to their, you know, just joy to them. Um, And even during quarantine, seeing people purchase jewelry so much when they're not going out, but then saying to me, Hey, this just makes me feel really confident and makes me feel put together. That's all I could really ask for. And that's really what I look for in jewelry as well. So I like, that means so much to me and those messages really go so far for me. Yeah. So what's the future for Beads by Tara? Is nursing school still in the future? So I think a lot of people also don't know this and I don't really share too much about my personal life just because I don't want to bore anyone. But I, (laughs) up until a few months ago, was fully on board with applying to nursing school. And I had actually applied to one program I really wanted to go to and unfortunately got rejected. And then I kind of had to reconsider my whole entire life path. And with the pandemic and people supporting small businesses, I was so grateful Mm -hmm. that the business took off more and definitely got to be much more time consuming. So then that kind of led me to realize like, what do I want to do if I'm having something that's working for me so far? Do I let this go and go back to school or, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to do both because I'm someone that really just like wants to pour myself into whatever I do. So Mm -hmm. for the time being, I just decided to focus on the business And I know that I can always go to school and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have like this situation for me right now. And who knows if it'll be here in two years, but I'm just trying to run with it and stay in the present. Yeah, that's amazing. What I love about this is that I want people to see that it's okay to go in another direction. You know, it's okay to try something else that's clearly working for you because this is working for you. And like you said, if you want to go back to school again, you can, you know, if that's something that you want to do in the future. But, um, you know, I think sometimes we have this like plan in our head and we think that's, that's what it's going to be. But if, you know, you found your calling and you found like your passion, it's important to just stick with it, you know? So I think that's great. So if someone has an idea to start a small business, but has no idea where to start, what would you tell them? I think the first thing that I would probably say is just to do it because at the end of the day, really life is so short. And especially with what this entire pandemic has taught me personally is that, you know, you never know if tomorrow is going to be guaranteed. And if this is something that you want mm-hmm. to do and, and whether it's jewelry or a clothing line or whatever it is, if it's something that you have a passion for and you really understand that there are going to be drawbacks and hurdles along the way, then I just say start because if you keep thinking about it, it's never going to, it's never going to happen, right? It's just going to be an idea until it actually happens. But the other thing that I would also say, because, you know, going, starting a business can be a big financial investment and I would never want someone to 
put themselves back in life or in financial debt because of a business. And so I think what really helped me was having a job on the side and having my part-time job because the, the things I didn't like from that job fueled me to, to want to start my own business and to really push this business. So the things that I didn't like about, you know, not being my own boss and the things I didn't like about a schedule or so many things I didn't love. I was like, well, the only way I can really, first of all, afford to have this business start off, but also the only way I could really do this is to have a side job to be able to raise the money and really get those learning experiences and Mm -hmm. have some kind of savings to be able to invest into your business. So I don't Mm -hmm. personally, and this is just me super being blunt. I just don't always think it's the best idea to start a business if you aren't financially ready for it. Um, but yeah, I love that advice. (laughs) It's just like me being super brutally honest because I don't think that, and like, I've seen people do that and I, I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah. They say jump right in. (laughs) Right. And like, and I mean, maybe for some people dropping out of college is the, was the right move, but I just personally, like as someone who did four years of undergraduate uh, university and was planning on doing Mm -hmm. graduate school, there's so much cost that goes into going to school, but there's also a lot of reward. And so I feel like that's a big risk to take that I personally would never have taken. Um, so it just, it, every situation is different. And I think if you're able to do it and have the resources to start your own business, just got to go for it. I love that answer. <laughs> Thank you. What is the biggest lesson you've learned since starting your business? I think the biggest lesson I've learned since starting my business has been to not compare myself to others. And this is something that I've always struggled with in every facet of my life, whether it's body image, whether it's talent, like intellectual abilities, even in sports, I've always just looked around and compared myself to people. And there is some benefit that comes from that because, you know, keeping your eyes open to seeing what's out there is definitely literally market research. It's going to help you in some way to Mm -hmm. know what's out there. But I've learned so much with a business that you cannot do it all. You cannot be the best company and do this and this and that. And you're going to be your own company. And if I'm just sitting here looking at what every other brand is doing, I'm not going to have that fuel to go and do that myself. And I'm going to be wasting time looking Mm -hmm. at other people doing it. And um, a story that I always remembered, I was in swim team in high school and my mom was at one of my meets and she was telling me like, you're always looking to the side when you're swimming, you're not just facing down. And that was slowing me down. I was literally like coming in last place. Mm -hmm. And that was such Mm -hmm. a, important metaphor for me that I've always held on to was, you know, the more I'm looking around at things, the slower I'm going to be going in my own journey. So that has been something that I've always had to remind myself every day. And I still continue to compare myself, but it's now a much more conscious thought that I try to be aware of. Yeah. I think a lot of women struggle with that. So that's honest. Thank you. Tara, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for allowing us to get a little peek into your business. Thank you for having me. But before we go, can you please let the listeners know where they can find you on social media? Okay. So we have, we just have a, we just opened a Pinterest, startup Pinterest. So um, of course our website is www.beadsbytara.com. And that is also our Instagram at Beads by Tara. And we have TikTok also at Beads by Tara. 
and now as well on Pinterest, also at Beads by Tara. I will leave all those links down in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I had a great time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved today's show, be sure to screenshot it and share it on your social. Don't forget to tag at Pretty Ambitious Podcast on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. 